This paid program may not represent the views of Hubbard Broadcasting Incorporated or Federal News Network. Statements and opinions of this broadcast are solely those of individual contributors or advertisers as indicated. Federal News Network does not take responsibility for the statements or opinions and accepts no responsibility or liability for any inaccuracy, errors, or omissions reported during this program. Welcome to Executive Leaders Radio. In this hour, you'll hear directly from our region's finest business leaders. Through each of the interviews, these high-achieving leaders become relatable role models who share how they were able to build their enterprise, their personal secrets of success, about leadership styles and opportunities that lie ahead. Prepare to be inspired and entertained and to hear wisdom unheard elsewhere. Executive Leaders Radio. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio broadcast from Radio America in Arlington, Virginia. This is your host, Herb Cohen, with my co-host, Katie Brewer, Brewer Group, and Mark Haas Association for Enterprise Growth. Katie, can you give us a rundown on who we have on the air today, please? We have Barry Calogero, Managing Director, Focus Investment Banking, Cam Jenna, CEO of TechSynap, Stephen Friedkin, CEO of Antiva, and Don Magruder, President of the Magruder Group CPAs. Let's get to know Barry Calogero. Garrow, how do you pronounce your last name again? Colojuro. Colojuro, Managing Director, Focus Investment Banking. Barry, what is Focus Investment Banking? What are you guys doing? We do three things. We sell companies for folks that want to exit their business. We help companies that want to acquire companies through growth. And we uh, do capital raises for companies that need capital. Hmm. So you're an investment banker? Yes, sir. Where, where are you from originally? I grew up in Randallstown, Maryland. Maryland. How many brothers and sisters? I have an older sister and a younger brother. So you're the middle of three. And uh, what was going on 8 to 14 with you? Um, 8 to 14, my mother uh, became an alcoholic and uh, for about 15 years. Mm-hmm. And so during that time, I developed a strong sense of independence. How did this independence show up in terms of uh, you know making money or sports? Wait, 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 wait. Give, us an, give us an example. Making money, I used to cut grass in the summertime and shovel snow in the in the wintertime. Who's, whose idea was that? That was my idea. And why were you doing that? To make money. <laughs> and uh, did you charge more than everybody else? No. no well, how'd you go about setting your prices? I determined what I thought was fair. Uh-huh. What were you doing different than all the other kids? I was working harder than anybody else. Uh-huh. So you were mowing lawns and shoveling snow in order to make some money when you were 10. And you tried to charge. You told you were fair. And and how about what kind of sports did you play? I played all sports. Organized. I played basketball and baseball, but I played football, golf. I played every sport. Uh-huh. What was your favorite sport? Organized sport. Baseball was my favorite sport. And what was the what was your role on the team? Pitcher and shortstop. What was the personality trait you brought to being the pitcher and the shortstop on your team? I was never the most talented athlete but I worked harder than everyone else. So I I just put it out there, and I led by example. Showed up early, stayed late. You led by example, you showed up early and stayed late. What's that have to do with your role? It says here you're a managing director of Focus Investment Banking. What's that shortstop and uh, pitcher have to do with what you're doing nowadays? Well, first off, I, it's the hard work that really makes a difference. Um, I... Uh, also mentor and train the young people that come into the uh, to the office, the interns, the folks that work in the back office. Uh-huh. Didn't you mention that there was a way that you used to think that it should be done and you've sort of shifted? Sure. When I, when I got out of school and started working, I thought if I worked hard and pushed everybody, I started supervising when I was 23. If I pushed people hard, things would get done. And that was the only way to get things done. And I learned 
um, I, I had a religious reconversion about 10 years ago, and I discovered that there was a big disconnect between how I treated people in my personal life and how work was going. And if I wanted to get the best out of people, I really had to approach them with a sense of love. And it was just a disconsonance in my life that I had to harmonize. And so I really started to focus on uh, serving people rather than them serving me. And how, how, did that, how did that switch come about? Tell us more about that. Um, you know, I was, when I was younger, I was actually considering being a Catholic priest. I was an altar boy for seven years, and I was going to be a Catholic priest when I was in college. Changed my mind, and I drifted away from the church. In the same time that I was working so hard thinking that was getting me ahead, I drifted away from my faith. And about when I, decide, when I dug back deep into my faith, actually I, I left the job and had some time. And I realized that there was a gap and a hole in my life. And so um, I dug back in, and I really started to change the way I led and managed people. What are you talking about? What do you mean? Um, I used to push people really hard and left a lot of collateral damage. And I got a lot of results done, but it, it, well, I didn't enjoy it. It wasn't fun. And then I started approaching life and looking at the people that work for me, and I tried to understand their stories. I put them first. I managed them with love. More than anything else, I said, if I care about these people and I truly do love these people and I care about them first, they all give so much discretionary effort because they know they're appreciated, connected them to what we did and showed them how, why they were important, gave them recognition, gave them uh, caring. And, and it paid back so many times. But it wasn't because I wanted favors from them. It was because I truly cared about them as people. So you mentioned you there, earlier there that, a, uh, or that you, you, um, you wanted to provide recognition. You wanted to appreciate. And I understand how that can affect your team. How does that affect uh, your clients? How does your, how's your approach, your new approach, affect your clients? When we go sell a business, a, a client's generally built that business up for a long time. 10, 20, sometimes 50 or 100 years. When they decide to sell their business, it's the only time in their life they're gonna do it. And I look at that person and I think I have an obligation or responsibility to them to make sure that this is the, the best thing that happened to them because this is gonna be a capstone on their career. This sets not only, you know, creates wealth for them, but more important is their legacy. And how I treat that with care and compassion, um, I love my clients. And I'm an extension of them when I'm working with them and selling their business. Wow. So, I thought investment banking was cut and dry. It's a transaction. It sounds like you really appreciate and enjoy and cherish your relationships. You know, the transaction is how I get paid. What happens in between when I start with them and end? Doing a lot, working with a lot of family businesses. <coughs> hey, <coughs> this is, their, this is their, their personal family legacy. Boy, you really care, don't you? Oh, absolutely. I care, about my, I care about my customers a great deal. And also your team. Mark, what are you thinking? You had said in the green room, you had a, a quote somebody said, something somebody said to you that sort of exemplifies this. It's about... Uh, sure. Blue collar guy came up and he was getting he was 30-year award and said, you know, I spent 30 years here. You guys paid for my hands. I'd give you my heart and my head for free. And it really touched on that concept that people want their, their work to be meaningful. They don't want to just come to work and do a job. Mm -hmm. Katie? What did your dad do for a living? My dad, uh, worked, he was a revenue agent for the Internal Revenue Service. And what about your mom? My mom was a homemaker most of her life. And what do you bring from your dad to your job at Focus Investment Banking? You know, my dad was reliable and he was trustworthy. And everything he did, he was a man of his word. And I've taken that, those those facets of his personality show up every day in how I deal with my clients. They know they can trust me and they know I'm honest. Um, how about your mom? You know, my mom cared about people a great deal. Even though she struggled for a while in her life, her 
her care and compassion for people. She would go out of her way to help other people whenever they needed. It didn't matter what it was. And uh, and I that that certainly serves it served me later in life as I've when taken that. When we were talking in the green room, you you spoke about you know bringing love and positive energy to your work so you can help people be the best version of themselves, which I find fascinating because you don't usually hear that in business, let alone with investment bankers where you think it's like cut and dry and finance, people are going to get fired. Tell us more about that philosophy. So, you know, managing with love sounds like it's soft, but we have hard discussions with people we love. Um, when, I, when, I look at the, when I look at the universe of people that work for me, um, my job is to help them uh, attain the highest level of success they can attain. So when I go out and I'm representing a client, I'm actually a, an extension of them. I, I need them to understand that when I'm talking for their business that they can trust me. Um, and so everything I do, whether it's the kids in the office, people need recognition today. Mm-hmm. And, they, and they love it. You, you mentioned that uh, when you were a kid and you were playing uh, baseball as uh, the pitcher and the shortstop, that um, that you know you you and your your buddies never got bored why, why did you never get bored what were you told what, what do you mean by that we spent all our time outside so every day in the summertime i'd get my buddies together and we'd go play a different sport we play baseball until we can hit them all into the creek we play basketball we play football but we were always active and i was organizing the guys and wait, wait 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 so you were the one you were the natural leader you were the one that kept them occupied kept them organized kept them coming up with new ideas well, what's that have to do with your role as the it says here you're the managing director of focus investment banking i'm leading processes i'm leading i'm quarterbacking a process that has lots of moving parts and so my job is to make sure that it starts, that a transaction starts, and it comes to a completion successfully. So is this the same kind of stuff as you were doing as a kid, helping everybody, you know, get involved, get engaged in the game, stay in the game, completing the game, and then creating the next one? It required, it, it requires a significant amount of communication when you're dealing with a bunch of little kids. It may not sound like it does uh, with with my, my clients and our business partners. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking to them all the time mm-hmm so you, you you see a real parallel between your role on that baseball team your shortstop and pitcher and your role keeping the kids engaged in all the different games and what you're doing nowadays what's the website address for this organization known as uh, focus investment banking focusbankers.com let me have that one more time focusbankers.com and uh barry how do you pronounce your last name juro who is the managing director of focus investment banking we'll be at the moment right after this break And your name and organization is? My name is Michael Seelman with Churchill Consultants. And Michael, what do you guys do for a living? We do leadership coaching. We help leaders be more effective at their jobs and leading their people. Mm-hmm. And where are you from originally? Bethesda, Maryland. And how many brothers and sisters? One younger brother. And what was going on with you 8 to 14? What, what was your life about? I think about how I had what I call potential energy mm-hmm. and hadn't really been fully activated my leadership ability. Mm-hmm. Tell us more about that. What do you mean? I think I didn't realize what I was capable of. I was humble and maybe didn't have the full confidence. Mm-hmm. But I was called to serve and I wanted to help. So what, what happened? So I had the opportunity to go to a leadership conference mm-hmm. and I was put together with other young leaders. Mm-hmm. It really turned that kinetic energy came out. Mm-hmm. How the, how'd that happen? What do you mean? I was with other people who uh, were happy to step forward mm-hmm. and contribute, 
and we were encouraged through cheers and mm-hmm. thrust into leadership roles. Mm-hmm. And then I saw that I could do it. Mm-hmm. So what, what turned you on about uh, Churchill Consultants? What turned you on about your job nowadays? I love serving others and helping people in their difficult points in life and uh, to be more effective at what they do. Mm-hmm. So when you say serve, you don't usually hear that term in, in terms of business. What, what do you, you're, you're helping business people with their businesses? I'm helping people mm-hmm. as people mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. helping them grow, mm-hmm. helping them when they have difficult times. Cool. And what's the website address of the organization? ChurchillConsultants.com. Let me have that one more time. ChurchillConsultants.com. We've been speaking with Michael Seelman, president of Churchill Consultants here on Executive Leaders Radio, back in a moment right after this break. And your name is? Jeff Lawson. And Jeff, what organization are you with? I'm with Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And wh- what do you guys do? What kind of stuff are you doing that's special? Well, we manage uh, conference centers and hotels, and we're currently managing the National Conference Center in Leesburg, Virginia. National Conference Center. How large or how small is this organization? Um, the conference center itself is 900 rooms in size, 350,000 square feet of meeting space, dining facilities for 850, uh, exercise facility all set on 61 acres of land. Wow, this is a large organization, isn't it? It is, very large. Uh-huh. And what's your role in the organization? I'm the general manager, and I've oversight of the uh, property and all the hospitality services that occur. Well, wh- what's the general manager supposed to do with this large facility? Make sure, I have a, make sure eight executive community members and a, and a full uh, staff of 210 do their daily jobs. So how many folks do you have running through your halls on a weekly basis or daily basis or annual basis? What's that look like? Well, on a weekly basis on a full house, we'll have uh, 900 per night, um, seven nights, uh, 6,300, which translates to about 20,000 meals a week. Wow. And uh, your job, are you working nine to five or do you end up having to work evenings and early mornings and weekends and stuff like that? No, I'd say I'm always on duty. Uh-huh. Do you, wh- what do you enjoy about your job? Meeting people, working with some of the finest hospitality people in Virginia, which is my team, and meeting our clients because they're wonderful. So you're helping your clients plan their events? Well, we help plan. Uh, they are there for some form of education that goes on at one end of our business, and at the other end of our business, they're there for social catering events, uh, weddings and such. So you're, you're, well you're running a 24 by 7 facility, aren't you? We are. Uh-huh. What's the website address of this organization? Conferencecenter.com. Let me have that again. Conferencecenter.com. And your name again is? Jeff Lawson. And the name of the organization? Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And this has been your Business Spotlight. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. I'd like to introduce Cam Jinna, who's CEO of TechSnap. Cam, what is TechSnap? What are you guys doing? TechSnap is a full services IT systems integrator. Uh-huh. How large or how small is this business? We have 450 employees. 450 employees. How'd you get a job at this company? I founded it. You, you founded the business. Okay. And where were you from originally? McLean, Virginia. How many brothers and sisters? I have three older siblings and a twin brother. You have three older siblings, a twin brother, and, and tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up with a twin. Doggy dog. Um, Pretty competitive? We were very competitive. My brother was always good at sports and uh, diving and soccer, and I was more the tinkerer. Uh-huh. I'm uh, more the tinkerer. All right, Mark? What's an example of uh, tinkering? How'd that uh, shot? Early on, I, I loved the being able to pull things apart and put them back together. It was something that gave me peace. Mm-hmm. Did you do that a lot, or is that one big example? You mentioned the ice cream maker. 
Yeah, when I was smaller, I was fascinated. We had this old school uh, ice cream maker that was the kind that you put in a wooden drum and it turned with ice that you manually put in around the sides and uh, it stopped working. So I pulled the thing apart and put it back together and uh, I was very proud of myself that I was able to get that thing working. <laughs> who, who knew about that? Who knew Who knew that you were able to get it back working again? Oh, pretty much everybody because we were able to make ice cream with it again. Who's we? Well, my, my, my older sisters and brothers and Darian, they, they all uh, didn't believe that it was possible, so we made a batch. How did that make you feel? It was very, it was very gratifying. So what, what, did, what did that lead to? You know, it, it, it's something that I, I think back about my childhood, and um, I like being able to see how things work together. And I think that takeaway as I've gotten older and look back, What's that have to do with building 450 people? Um, it's it, in, a, in a strange way, it's very applicable because it, there are so many moving parts in a business. You have the financial aspects. You have the human capital aspect. Uh, you have all kinds of moving parts within a business. And being able to make them all work together in a homogeneous way is, is really difficult. Mm -hmm. All right. Just wanted to make sure I understood what was the similarity between, you know, taking things apart and putting them back together again and building a business. Katie? Cam, what clubs did you join when you were young? I wasn't really a club guy. No? Did you gather people together and create your own? I always felt that clubs were somewhat contrived, but um, I did enjoy rallying the neighborhood together for a good game of kick the can. Tell me more about that. You know, we, we lived on a street that... Um, there were all kinds of houses closely together and we, there wasn't the internet back then so we were always looking for something to do so it was kick ball or kick the can but what did you bring to that getting the rallying the troops together so that we could play a game and what did how does that relate to what you do as the head of tech Senate? you know i i don't i didn't don't connect them so directly as you're asking the question um but there is an element within any company that is getting all the different personalities to work together to do something. And that's hard. Was that, was, now did that have to do with uh, organizing Kick the Can? I don't know, to be honest with you, but um, there's nothing better than... What else did you organize in your childhood? You know, um, we used to... Um, roast marshmallows uh -huh. and we would get together and and create little fires in the backyard that didn't make our parents too happy uh-huh what was your role in the pulling the marshmallow roasts together you get the marshmallows i'll get the fire you uh -huh. get the tinfoil so you were organizing everything again now that i look back i guess so uh-huh and uh you organized this business of 450 people so you're like, you're an idea kind of guy you like pulling people around ideas coming up with ideas and pulling people around them whether it's kids or adults huh in the IT business, you kind of have to be. Uh -huh. Technology is always changing. Ah, so you're always coming up with ideas, so you're always trying to stay on top of the market and keep leading the team to the market, helping the team appreciate the market's the master. Yes, sir. Uh -huh. What's the best part of your job? You know, I would have thought um, leading. We're, we're leading now uh, in a lot of markets, and we're and I'm having so much fun, and the growth that we've had this year has been incredi incredible. But the thing that actually gives me the most joy is what Barry talked about earlier, and that's the ability to see other people have their dreams come to fruition is really gratifying. What are you talking about? What do you mean? Um, I have one guy who's worked with me for 20 years, 
And he's one of those guys who's a brilliant engineer and he refuses to go take a test because he's terrified. Mm -hmm. And I kept pushing him and pushing him and pushing him. Mm -hmm. And finally when he took the test and plastered it with flying colors, mm -hmm. um, after some pretty intense pushing, mm -hmm. he was so tickled that he had mm. gotten it done that for me it was it, So you it was really enjoy fun. developing people. What yes. turns you on is developing others. Uh -huh. What'd your father do? What was his occupation? My dad was a civil engineer for the housing and urban development. Okay, and your mother? My mother worked in several nonprofit organizations. First it was hospice, and then she spent about 20 years at prison fellowship ministries. Mm -hmm. What did uh, you learn from your father? You know, my father was a humble guy. He came to the United States with $50 in his pocket. He passed in 2006, but I didn't learn until after he passed that he had uh, three PhDs. So for me, that was pretty humbling to know that he kept that quiet all those years when he never really bragged about it that I ever recall. Mm -hmm. How's humble fit into uh, your building this business of 450 people? You know, I think people want to see humility in their leaders. Um, there's nothing worse than working s with someone who is full of themselves. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I think it drives relationships and it also goes to um, mm -hmm. They have an element where they know that you care about them. Mm -hmm. Mark, what else are you thinking? Um, so, did you have any particular, you know, aspirations as a kid? You know, here you are. You know, you've you've accomplished a lot for a lot of people. Did you, you know, have, have the crazy thing I can say about that question is, no, not really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we don't always know where the path is going to take us. That's right. Okay. Sometimes it's laid before you, and mm -hmm. you look back in the and in amazement really Katie tell me what is your what did your mom do my mom mostly was uh, at, at home raising five kids on my dad's you know GS 13 salary so uh, what did you learn from your mom that you bring to work every day humility tell me more how does humility show up you know she's a service-oriented woman with strong Christian faith and she always put other people first and how does that show up when you're at work at TechSynap? You know, I'm in the people business um, without the no, folks. No, no, no. I thought you were doing technology for the government. Yeah, but uh, that's true. Uh -huh. But it's people that make technology solutions work. And without oh. people, you can't really achieve anything. What's, uh -huh. the, what's, the, what's the name of the company? What's the derivation of that? Texanap, um, my brother, my older brother is a, a neuroscientist, and I was having trouble uh, finding a name and trademarking that name, and he is all about synapses and thinking, and the company tagline is technology moving at the speed of thought. So in one conversation with him, we dreamed up Texanap because synapses are always firing to create ideas. Mm -hmm. Great name. So you grew up um, the youngest of, yeah, with three older and a twin, correct? And yes. What, what, what did that role in the family, how'd that, what did that do to you? How'd that prepare you for your role nowadays? It was tough. When you grow up with siblings, it's kind of dog-eat-dog. Dog. Mm -hmm. And you get home and you're the youngest. Um, uh -huh. Everything's already eaten and you're getting the scraps. Uh -huh. So you, you were an observer. I was. And also competitive. Competitive quietly, though. Um, my brother was the openly competitive one, uh -huh. and I was not so much. So what's the so this so this quiet competitive one? So you're always digesting information and trying to figure out where to bring the organization. Is that you like you're like leading from behind? 
No, I wouldn't say it's leading from behind. Uh-huh. I've always, I never liked leading from behind. Uh-huh. Um, I think in order to show employees where they need to go, uh-huh. it's sometimes difficult uh-huh. uh, to stand in front and show them a way. Gotcha. What's the website address of this organization known as TechSynap? T-E-K, TechSynap.com. Give me that spelling one more time. T-E-K, Synap. We've been speaking with Cam Jenna, CEO of Texanop, here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com. Learn more about our executive leaders. We'll be back in a moment right after this break. Want to help building your business with help from this show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues. Because our CEOs have been there and done that. They've succeeded in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. And your name is? Ramon Parker. And Ramon, the name of the organization? Loud and Free Clinic. And you were telling me there's some, something special about the Loudon Free Clinic where every dollar that goes in does something else. What was that all about? Yeah, it does something magical. So for every dollar that's donated to our clinic, we can deliver $8 worth of care. And what kind of clinic is this? Who are, you, who are you helping out? What kind of stuff do you guys do? So we're helping out those who are 18 to 64 who are uninsured and low income, 200% or below the federal poverty level. And give me this thing about the math again. Give me how that works. So essentially, I have a a staff of 12 individuals and 128 volunteers. So with that kind of payer mix, I'm able to deliver, you know, anywhere from $8 uh, in care for our patients. Because you've been able to enroll the support of so many volunteers, you're actually keeping the cost of health care down and therefore multiplying the dollars. And making one of it one of the best business investments for private corporations who want to invest. And didn't, ah, interesting. So private businesses and individuals can get involved. And didn't you Absolutely. tell me you had a couple of health care challenges yourself? What were they? I have. I've had four open heart surgeries, and mm-hmm. it helps me to understand what patients need. What are you talking about? What do you mean? So the idea of having been on the table or being a patient, I'm able to take a patient focus in how we deliver care differently than most people would. What did you, what did you learn from those experiences personally? What do you appreciate that most of us don't? I appreciate consistency. Um, I think that a, a staff at the hospital, nurses, providers, mm-hmm. parents, mm-hmm. family, all those people consistently being around me, consistently offering me hope. Uh, I'm so full of it that I have to offer that to the patients and to the staff when I'm working with them. What's the website address for the Loudon Free Clinic? Loudonfreeclinic.org. Let me have that one more time. L-O-U-D-O-U-N freeclinic.org. We've been speaking with your name again? Ramon Parker. And this has been your Business Spotlight. Thank you. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Stephen Fratkin, who is the CEO of an organization known as Antiva. Stephen, what is Antiva? Antiva is a managed IT service provider and cloud host. And how large or how small is this organization? A little north of 200 employees and a little north of uh, $40 million. Wow. How'd you get a job with this company? 
you know, this is all I've ever done. So I started at a very young age uh, at a comp USA where I picked up my first client by accident and it's grown organically ever since. How young were you when you got that first client? 13 years old. And it's, you've been doing this since you were 13. Where are you from originally? I grew up in the Rockville, Maryland area. And uh, how many brothers and sisters? Got three half-siblings. How come you have three half-siblings? Uh, they were from my father's first marriage. Uh-huh. So what did growing up in, with three half-siblings, with dad getting remarried, what, what, what did that do to you as a kid? No, it, was, it was interesting because at a very young age, they were all around, and I had felt like I had a pretty large family unit. And then when I was about five or six years old, they all sort of disappeared, whether it was uh, going off to college because of their age or moving back in with their mother. Uh, so I felt a little stranded, but not in a bad way. And I think I realized at that point that I needed to figure out a few things on my own. Like what? What are you talking about? Uh, really, really around who I am and what I need to do to be my own person. Wow. Tell me more about that. What do you mean? Uh, really, really trying to know what's important to me and where to spend my time and energy. I, I, I did that at a very young age, and I really wanted to uh, just just work at something and dedicate myself to something, but I wasn't sure what that was yet. Wow. How young were you when you started making money? Uh, well, d depending on how you define money, uh, pretty young, about five or six years old, I, I recall collecting pebbles on my street and trying to sell them to my neighbors, uh, a few of them bit, not all of them, but uh, did wow. sell a few. Sterling? So you started your business at age 13, which is very young. When did you first see yourself as a, a true successful entrepreneur? Uh, I don't see myself as a true successful entrepreneur today. Um, I consider myself very lucky and grateful to be in the position that I'm in and ultimately want to work hard every day at learning from the mistakes I make and only making those mistakes once. Wow. Jim? So you started pretty young at 13, but you said before that you were trying to figure out who you were. So talk to me a little bit about what you were doing in that 8 to 13, 18 to 14. Uh, so 8 to 14, I, I was uh, not a great student. I was not a social butterfly, but I tried hard at both and found that I was just striking out. Uh, so I would just, uh, again, try different things until things stuck. And I found myself really passionate about technology. I found that it was cool to play with. And I ultimately found that I enjoyed working with people and how they use that technology. And is that a passion that you still have today? 100%. Mm-hmm. Katie? You mentioned that you had half siblings um, and that you're a product of your parents' second marriage. Are your parents still married? Unfortunately, they're not. Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, my mother uh, separated from my father when I was about 18 years old. Uh, as soon as I became an official adult, uh, that was when uh, she approached me and kind of shared with me that it wasn't the greatest fit for herself. And, uh, you know, Oops. I appreciated that she... Uh, waited to that point and really was trying to protect me from something that ultimately I didn't think I needed protection from, but she, she did care a lot about me and want to make sure that I uh, became an official adult before she separated. Tell me a little bit more about how your mom protected you. Uh, you know, my father is a great man who is incredibly brilliant, but also controlling. He knows exactly the way he wants things done and uh, circles uh, people around him that do it in that exact way. So she protected me a lot from that and, and allowed me to uh, be a little bit of my own person, uh, where at the same time, uh, I knew I needed to be my own person. I knew I needed to control uh, my own purse strings, if you will, so that I could uh, have my own 
control and my own uh, path forward. And how does that translate into how you run your business? Ultimately, I believe that people have an ability to grow if they're given the tools and the clarity of what they need to do to be successful. And I feel like my father and my mother both provided that to me at a very young age. Uh, I'm not sure if it was intentional or not, but it definitely uh, came through clearly. What did they provide you? Uh, From my father's side, he was very clear on what I needed to do to make my own rules, which is control my own uh, financial destiny. Uh, And from my mother, she made it clear how important it was to support and help others grow and realize that they need that support from us and that we were fortunate enough to be in a position, uh, mindset, and skill uh, where we could impart that on others. Excellent. Gabe? Stephen, so clearly at age 13, you were very busy. And I'd like to know a little bit about the relationship and reputation you had with your friends. Uh, So at 13, uh, for better or worse, I didn't have many close friends. Uh, I I just wasn't able to socialize very well. I was very, very focused on technology, and I was just really enjoying going out there and helping people solve problems with this technology. And my focus was really around work and being driven to to be the best that I could in what I was doing. So unfortunately, um, uh, my, my friendships fell to the wayside. So how does that affect how you run your business today? It, it really, I, I'm a different person now. I wound up building a business of team members that I would call my friends. Uh, ultimately, well, wait, 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 give me that again. I ended up building a business of team members that I would call my friends. You right. know something special there because this business has thrived since you were 13. It's 200 plus people now. What are you talking about? So, so what I did was build something with people that shared the same passion that I had. And as a result, it became more than just a working environment, but a place where we all had similar interests and we were all going after the same goal together. That's probably the reason this business has grown the way it has, hasn't it, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Very fortunate. Well, it sounds to me like you're the one who pulled it all together. You're the, you, had a con, you, you shared a common vision. You selected the right people. You figured out where everybody fit. You're the master team leader. I'd say it was the right place at the right time wearing a red shirt. I'd say you have a lot of talent there. Haley? Um, Going back to when you said that your mom waited till you were 18 to tell you that your mom and dad were getting divorced. Of course, that was was kind of her to wait and not put that on you when you were in high school, but 18 is a big transition to go into college, and you're trying to be an adult but also transitioning into that. So how did that affect you? You know, I, I was a little bit unique in so far as it wasn't a big transition year for me because I was already pretty deep in the business that, that we continue to run today. Uh, but from a personal perspective, it really taught me that I need to know who I am and what I value the most. So my mother uh, really valued protecting me over anything else that she chose from a personal perspective. And I needed to know kind of what it was in my DNA that made me tick, that lit me up, and and ultimately uh, that came down to my desire to grow people and to, to work with technology. Wow. Christine? 
So, Stephen, you've clearly done so much on your own. Uh, can you even say that you had any role models in your life? Uh, yeah, I, I, everybody I've worked with has effectively be, been a role model for me. So I've done very little on my own. Uh, I was fortunate enough to have many clients over the years that were running big businesses. Some of them were doing incredible things that were having great results. Some of them were doing less incredible things that were not having great results. And I was able to be in in these environments as a trusted advisor and absorb what people were doing right and what people were not and emulate what was working and, and avoid what wasn't. Where'd you get that ability from? You know, I, I, I believe I was just fortunate enough to, to have it be ingrained into me. I'm sure it came from the way my parents raised me to make sure that I was really listening to everything that was going around me and ensure that not only was I doing things to benefit myself, but I was listening to others and doing all I could help to help them as well. Listening to others and helping others as well. Maybe that's the reason you've had friends for so long and you've been able to build a business for up 200 people. You hear about the CEO being rotten and firing people. It just sounds like your team is a great, your environment's a great environment to work in. What's your website address? It's antiva.com. How do you spell that? N is in Nancy, T is in Tom, I is in Igloo, V is in Victor, A is in alpha.com. We've been speaking with Stephen Fratkin, CEO of Antiva here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com, to learn more about our executive leaders. We'll be back in a moment right after this break. And your name is? Fred Diamond. And what organization are you with, Fred? I run the Institute for Excellence in Sales. What is that? What is the Institute for Excellence in Sales? We provide services for sales professionals at the senior level, mid-level, junior level. We have programs for women in sales and millennial in sales and sales teams. So, uh, and what are you doing for these folks? What kind of stuff do you help them with? We provide training, traditional training all around the world. We also bring uh, world-famous sales thought leaders and authors to regions around the country to provide workshops and seminars for sales leaders. Huh, how long have you been doing this? We created the organization uh, about five years ago. And what, what, why, why do you enjoy doing this? What, what turns you on about what you're doing for a living? Well, we are of service to the selling professional. We believe that sales is the most important department in any company and that uh, we're trying to make sales professionals' lives better and trying to help them improve the trade. Huh. And, and why, why do your customers keep coming back to you? Why would they come back or send their other people back to you? Well, we run amazing programs. Uh, sales training budgets have decreased, but we are bringing some of the top sales trainers around the world to sales teams. So, and what's the advantage of bringing the top sales trainers to these teams? Why don't you just do it all yourself? Uh, we're, we're able to bring some of the best in the world at a very reasonable cost to our members provide world-class sales training and uh, sales performance improvement to these organizations. So as opposed to keeping all the money for yourself and limiting only your words getting to your clients' ears, you're trying to make sure that they get the best of breed. Exactly. Huh. Yeah, we bring some of the top sales thought leaders in the world, Neil Rackham, Jill Conrath, Mark Hunter, to sales teams around the world. And where, where do you bring, where, where do you do these trainings? Well, locally in the Washington, D.C. region, we have a number of programs. Uh, every third Friday at the USA Today building in Tyson's Corner. Mm -hmm. We also have a women in sales program that's typically the second Excellent. Tuesday. What's the website address? I4ESBD, the letter I, the number 4ESBD. Excellent. Dot com? 
Com or .org. There we go. Thank you. This has been your Business Spotlight. I'm Tina Leandi. I'm the CEO of the Boston Business Improvement District. Uh, and what is the Boston Business Improvement District? We work to attract, support, and connect the most compelling, creative, and ambitious minds in our region. Boston is known as an epicenter for research and discovery. Uh, some of the greatest things that are invented, such as the MRI, the barcode, the internet, the first satellite, all were either conceived, funded, or developed by organizations here in Boston. How old is this organization? We're just just shy of six years old. How long have you been there? How long have you been uh, there? Almost six years as well. Did you found this organization? Yes, I, I am the founding CEO. Why did you do that? Well, they, the, the organization actually came about uh, by the commercial property owners in why, Boston. Why, why, why does it turn you on? Why does your gig turn you on? <laughs> people. I mean, we the, the, the ability to connect people and then who knows the next great idea idea is going to result from that. We have incredible minds in the Washington DC area and Boston is as I said the epicenter for the smartest people in this area. So your job you're like the master connector. I feel like the mayor of, of Boston, the mayor of innovation because that's uh -huh. what's happening. So your idea your, your thought is in order to create more stuff in order to launch more businesses in order to cause more good it's a matter of connecting exactly. the right people. Exactly. And you like being in the middle of all that I, stuff. Oh we love it. We love it. And simple things just connecting people through events through art. Uh, through a happy hour mm -hmm. you don't know what's going to come out of that mm -hmm. that's what's exciting so it's all about the people and you're the uh, you're the founder of this organization is this a nine to five kind of job oh, for you? hell no it's a lot longer uh -huh. than that baby so do you have to you have to work the weekends and stuff yeah, like that sure sure let me have the website address of this sure, organization bid.com and, and you can download boston connect mobile app let me have uh, let me have that website address one more bostonbid.com it's B-A, give me the spelling on that. B-A-L-L-S-T-O-N-B-I-D.com. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And your name again is? Tina Leone. And the name of the organization? Is the Boston Business Improvement District. And this has been your business spotlight back in a moment. One help building your business with help from the show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money. All the big issues because our CEOs have been there and done that. Succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that. Succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. Some of the CEOs who have appeared on our shows over the last 10 years may be willing to help you grow, assuming you've ser you're serious about your success, serious about your own success, because it all starts with the leader. If you're serious about creating your own successful business or truly committed to putting your nose to the grindstone and doing whatever it takes to make your business successful, we may be able to match you with successful CEOs who have created millions of jobs and earned millions of dollars to help you create your success. We've established unique relationships with a unique universe of over 7,000 CEOs who have created substantial wealth for their companies, their teams, and themselves. These women and men get the build in their blood and often continue to start and build businesses even after they've created substantial wealth for themselves because they love the challenge of building a business. Perhaps we can present you and your business to some of these CEOs to gain their interest in helping you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com to hopefully match you with some of the CEOs we've had on the show for the last 10 years. Mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. 
We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. I'd like to introduce Dawn Magruder, president of the Magruder Group CPAs. Dawn, what is the Magruder Group CPAs? What are you guys doing? We're a full-service CPA firm helping clients with tax planning and preparation, supporting small business owners, and representing clients for the IRS. Uh-huh. How old is this business? This firm is 23 years old. How'd you get a job with it? I started it. Oh, you started the business. Where are you from originally? Arlington, Virginia. And how many brothers and sisters? One younger brother. And uh, Katie, where do you want to go? I understand in the green room you told us that in fifth grade you ran for secretary or treasurer when you were about 10 years old? That is correct. And how did you market yourself to the other kids? In my campaign speech, which I recently found, um, I wanted to serve my class. I wanted to serve the school. I felt I would be a good leader, and um, and I thought I would be really good at taking care of their money. And how does that translate into running an accounting firm? I find it fascinating that many, many, many years later, I became a CPA and I'm running my own practice, helping people take care of their money. Did you learn anything from running that early campaign to um, run for office? I learned early on that I thought I could make myself win that election and that I would be good for that job. I knew that, but I did not win. And when I look back now, I realize, well, gosh, I did not have the right team with me, and I learned that I need to build that team. Mm-hmm. Mark? So um, did you play sports, any sports as a growing up? I was consumed by figure skating from the time I was 9 to 15. Was that sort of a, a, an interesting thing, or did you put some effort into it? No, it required every bit of, uh, of my time outside of school. We were at the rink early before 5 a.m. in the morning, um, and then, of course, all evenings, most evenings till 10 o'clock at night. And did you have any particular aspirations or people that you looked up to? Well, every figure skater back then, female, looked up to Peggy Fleming. Um, of course, um, there were not a lot of role models for us, and we were, um, and she was it. Mm-hmm. So uh, why, why Peggy Fleming? Why, was there anything particular about, uh, aside from the skating, that you admired about Peggy Fleming? Um, we admired her beauty, of course, on the ice, her grace, but her determination. It, we knew how much hard work it would take to win an Olympic gold medal. We weren't sure we had it, but she showed us that maybe we could. So what's that determination have to do with building this accounting firm nowadays? Well, I have a friend who wrote a book called The Intentional Entrepreneur, and I, all, I think more of myself as the accidental entrepreneur. I came into it because I needed the flexibility as a, as a young mom. And looking back now, it, I right, that right, hard right. work You started now. this accounting firm when you were a mom? I was. Uh-huh. So you, you're, you're a masterful juggler then. If you're a mom and you're starting, and you started the business, you started the accounting firm, let me ask you a question. Is there another generation that's uh, coming into the business to help take it to the next level? Yes. Two of my kids are in the business now. Two of your kids are in the business now. So, uh, Mark, we, 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 how, how does uh, being a parent and running a business relate to each other? What, what does each one advise the other? Well, I find it very interesting that the same lessons that I taught my children um, when they were young, I am still continuing to teach to a young team now. Um, most of our team is in their 30s and younger uh, on purpose. I can't exit if they are not, um, if they're all my age. Um, but I find that those lessons of how do we care for other people, how do we take care of other people, still are in effect today. Mm-hmm. Mark, Katie, where are you guys so, going? Um, any, any 
uh, close personal friendships from growing up that are still in place? I'm really fortunate that my best friend from the time I was five years old um, is still my best friend today. In fact, I just saw her a couple weeks ago. Um, she has the creative side to life while I bring a more disciplined, analytical approach to life. Um, we're grateful to have each other. This keep, keeps coming back to the same themes of putting a team together with diverse skills that complement each other. That's important to your company? Of course. And when I look back at my youth, we, one of the things that my best friend and I did every summer um, was to do plays in her backyard. And we not only had to create the play, write the play, we had to pick all the kids in the neighborhood to be in the play. We had to design the set and the costumes, make the invitations to get the neighbors there. Um, what was your role versus her role in that whole process? Well, she was certainly the creative with the costumes and the staging and all of that. I was definitely the writer and um, the organizer. I was the one that picked everybody for their pl their their role. And how young were you when that was going on? From seven probably to 12. Uh-huh. What's that have to do with building this accounting firm? Same today. It's really important to find the right people to fit the right roles so that they're successful. Our goal is to have long-term employees and only if they are fulfilled and in the right spot. Picking someone and getting them in the wrong spot is a killer. Sounds to me like the same precision you bring to accounting, you bring to building a team. Am I correct about that? Correct. Uh-huh. Katie? What did your dad do for a living? My father was a social worker. And your mom? My mother was a secretary for the Army. And what about your dad do you bring to the office every day? I think from my father I learned empathy. My father really cared about those who were less fortunate and um, included us in ways to help. And how does that show up when you run your business? Well, I think I have to care about business owners. We have a lot of business owners, and we have their dreams in our hands. Typically, they're very good at what they do, but they don't know anything about tax and finance, and that problem can close them down. And what about your mother do you bring every to work every day? My mother was a champion for women back in an era where um, that was even more necessary than today. My mother taught me that um, as a I could be a professional woman, I could do anything I wanted to do, be anything I wanted to be, um, and so I have with her direction and encouragement. And how do you pay that forward? Well, my daughter is in my practice, um, and she is a young mother now, and um, I fully recognize all the challenges that she faces, and I'm committed that our firm will be able to assist young women who are mothers also in the workplace and be flexible and really utilize their talents at a professional level. Mm -hmm. Was there some piece of advice that somebody gave you along the way that really was profound and changed your life? Mm -hmm. All right. How about, uh, I understand you were involved with Girl Scouts when you were a kid. How young were you when you were involved with Girl Scouts? I think you could become a brownie at age six, and I put that uniform on and was excited about it. Uh -huh. what, what did you enjoy about Girl Scouts? I think what I enjoyed the most, of course, were the friendships, but for me, it's all about a checklist. You could belong to an organization where you could do multiple different things, and you could earn a badge for it, and you could check it off your list, and you could be accomplished. And you actually could wear those accomplishments. That was important to so me. So it sounds to me like you're pretty goal-oriented, pretty task-oriented. You like getting stuff done and a variety of different things. What's that have to do with building an accounting practice? Well, every day there are a million projects that go on in an accounting firm between tax returns, between helping people with financial statements, or talking to an IRS auditor. There's where empathy might come in. 
but and we have projects every day. And also management and organization. It sounds like your middle name is Empathy Management Organization. It's keep everything moving all the time, just like those, you know, when you wanted to accomplish those Girl Scout badges. We have to keep it moving. Every day we have 600 clients, and every day we are talking to them and making things happen for them. Boy, you're right on top of stuff. So um, what's the best part of your job? Best part of my job is the people, not just the people who work for me that I enjoy watching their growth every single day, mm-hmm. but to have clients come in, mm-hmm. tell us how much we've helped them, mm-hmm. that is rewarding. Do you ever think you're gonna retire? I am going to retire. Are you really? One day. Uh-huh, I, I, do you, do you, I mean, do you see yourself fully retiring someday? I see myself exiting my firm one day, uh-huh. um, but I do not see myself stopping. I have other goals in place. What are you talking about, what do you mean? So I'm excited to write a book. Uh-huh. Uh, anybody who knows me knows that um, that's something I want to accomplish. So I have a fiction and a nonfiction book kind of ready to go. Sounds to me like you've got a creative streak going on as well. I have been accused of that. I have been, um, I have been told I am not your typical accountant, that our firm is not your typical accounting firm, Why? and I'm proud of that. Why? I think because we're good communicators. When you think of accountants, I don't think you put them on the top of the list of professions that you would say would be good communicators. And we strive very hard to be strong, consistent, responding what, communicators What's the benefit to, to your client. clients regarding your ability to communicate? What's their, what's their benefit? It seems that anytime anybody changes a CPA firm, it's not for proficiency, it's for communication. I think they appreciate the fact that we are always on. What's the website address of the Magruder Group? MagruderCPAs.com. Let me have that one more time, please. MagruderCPAs.com. All right. Um, Katie, can you give us a rundown on who we've had on the air today, please? We had Barry Cologero, uh, Managing Director, Focus Investment Banking, Cam Jenna, CEO of TechSynap, Stephen Friedkin, CEO of Antiva, and Don Magruder, president of the Magruder Group CPAs. I would like to thank my co-hosts, including Katie Brewer, the Brewer Group, and Mark Haas, Association for Enterprise Growth, for giving me hand structuring the questions. Hopefully providing our listening audience an educational and entertaining show. Let's get the websites one more time. Barry, the website address of Focus Investment Banking is? FocusBankers.com. All right, Cam, the website address of TechSynap. TechSynap.com. Let me have that one more time. T-E-K-Z-N-A-P.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dawn McGruder, uh, president of McGruder Group. What is the McGruder Group CPA's website? McGrudercpas.com. And thank you for joining us today and have a nice day. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to Executive Leaders Radio, the region's premier radio show highlighting local executive leaders. We hope you've enjoyed the show here on 1500 AM. You can learn more about Executive Leaders Radio by visiting executiveleadersradio.com or tune in next time right here on 1500 AM. That's executiveleadersradio.com.